let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to this opinion special where we're going to be talking about just a single subject. Martin, what is it that we're going to be discussing in this show? Simply put, Steve, lager. A show we started talking about when we went to the Czech Republic in February 2020. (laughs) It's taken us almost 18 months to bring this show to fruition. Exactly. Um, But fortunately for everyone listening, it's not just you and I talking about just the one subject of lager. We are are joined by some specialists in the area. However, I shall let them introduce themselves. Hi, everyone. My name is Mario. I am the head brewer for Brewbrook Beer Company, a Lagerly brewery. Hi, everyone. I'm Reese from Don's Local Brewing Company, um, which is currently based in Edinburgh. And we make very vaguely German-inspired lagers that are usually very hoppy and unfiltered, kind of guess in our own style. I'm Alex from Austin Grounded Brewers. We're a brewery based in Bristol. Um, so my partner and I, um, Annie Clements, we co-founded the brewery together. Um, the last part of the name was us kind of traveling around the world and living different places. So um, I think we lived in uh, Tasmania, Brisbane, Melbourne, Perth, Brussels, Perth, Melbourne, London, and then Bristol. So that was the last bit. And the ground a bit, someone that's sensible knows it's important. So for us, was to finally stop and make a make a brewery and and um, make a business of our own. Great, and I'm Rich from uh, Utopia Brewing. So I co-founded this in uh, 2019. So we've had two birthdays. Have been uh, producing beer into trade now. One was on March 26, 2020, and the second one was in 2021. So we've had two birthdays in lockdown. Um, we again brew. We brew 100% lager. Uh, and we only brew with British-grown ingredients. So and we did that primarily from a sustainability perspective. That's where we kind of started out with it. But now it's become a bit of fun in uh, trying to create as many styles that are influenced by international styles. But again, you know, like Reese, trying to do it in our own way um, and, and to use some of these kind of experimental hops and stuff and some traditional techniques to do that. So a lot of fun. Great to be here. And it's great to have you all join us tonight in what's essentially going to be, we're going to try a bit of a round table discussion uh, about lager and particularly lager in the UK and where it's at right now. So the first question that, that we're going to throw out there to you all is why lager? Why, why did you all choose lager as uh, a specialism, so to speak? Well, I think because I had... Uh, uh... I sort of had most of my career making hoppy pale ale. It was actually most of my um, brewing career was doing that and um, at Little Creatures in Australia. And I think um, after doing that for many years, um, towards the end of my time there, like we, we used to just make a lager that we mainly made. The approach was just making a lager that was just for the just for our cellar door there, um, just for people that didn't want to drink pale ale, basically. Um, but we just, like as a brewing team, we always just found it really, really difficult to make really nice lager. And it just used to drive us nuts to the point where we were getting obsessed with it. We figured out actually our job was mainly making pale ale, so we kind of settled down. But um, when we came over to the UK, we, we mainly came to, to make lager for Camden Town. But then um, like as we decided to do our own business, um, we were thinking about what we would make and we kind of went through all different things. But actually what we decided to do was how, how can we make a brewery just making beer out, in, out of the most simple ingredients? So how do we make really tasty beer out of just really simple ingredients, which is 
Pilsner malt and some old fashioned hops, you know, was basically the, the foundation of what we did. And um, now, now the challenge is selling it, of course, hey? so, you know, you get better at these things as you go on. I mean, we, we came at it in a, a kind of similar, I think, but, but um, my co-founder is in the pub business. That's where my background was really more than brewing. And um, the, the one thing that was clear to us anyway is that they just weren't, and I quite guess you can see that from the number of people that you can kind of name that are specialist or focused lager brewers. There just weren't many people doing it. And there was an awful lot of people brewing IPAs and so it, it seemed like if you're going to create a brewery it's quite a good idea to start with somewhere where there's not too many people um, to compete with but but also the fact that the, the bigger point I think was that there weren't many people focused on it so if you were a lager drinker who liked to drink lager it was really hard for you to get a good independently brewed lager um, but it was ridiculous when you got kind of 70% or something of the UK drinking population drinking lager that a lot of those people just didn't want a better beer so um, we kind of thought if you focus on lager then there should be a good uh, bunch of people looking to, to drink a better product than what they can get from the macros and that's really what we're trying to do. Yeah for us really it was um, a matter of just making one particular style of beer that we all loved that wasn't really readily available fresh here in the uk which is keller beer or you know, franconian style keller beer so unfiltered and pasteurized sort of rich malty um but very drinkable uh lager and uh it all started uh a few years back because um there's three of the owners three owners um have a connection with um a brewery in bamberg franconia called marsbroy very old brewery, been there since uh, 1670. And um, uh, Nick, who's one of the owners of the brewery, who has a distribution business in London, uh, was the uh, uh, English distributor for, for Marsbroy. So they kind of got in touch and he said, we would like to, you know, start a lager brewery. And uh, had a few beers, uh, had uh, a lot of chats. And... Um, and then uh, it all started with uh, with a with a Keller beer, and from there we expanded, and now we make all sorts of different styles. But the main focus and the the beer that we make the most at the brewery, I say about sixty percent of our output is Keller. I'm a big fan of uh, volume drinking as a thing, like not in terms of like a amount of alcohol produced, but like drunk. But in terms of uh, like whether it's like bitter in certain parts of the north of England, whether it's stout in over in Ireland, or if it's like Helles or Pilsner in, in, in different parts of Germany, like that kind of beer that's the go-to for everyone, and everyone drinks like maybe one or two most evenings and has a has a really nice time. That kind of con convivial convivial nature, like of of people sharing that beer, uh, that's what I experienced when I lived in over in Munich. Everyone drank quite a lot of beer, and it was a really nice wholesome atmosphere, and that's what I kind of wanted to kind of encapsulate and kind of kind of bring over and spread around a bit like really accessible but really tasty beer and lager like for me is like the thing that does that for everyone it's really accessible whether it's going to like you and your friends or your dad and your granddad everyone can enjoy a really nice pint of lager and when that is on farm or when that tastes amazing and it's used as really good ingredients it can be like the best thing also in the world but it's also really accessible to to everyone, and that for me is like the route I want to go down. That kind of 
happy middle ground, like go-to, really delicious beer. That's what I wanted to make. I think that's all slightly different answers, but coming to the similar sort of place for all four of you. But as all four of you were speaking, the thing which struck me um, was it just, and I, maybe it's the work I do working in the bank, but don't I feel like a risk what you were doing considering the competition you're up against in terms of lager, both off trade and on trade. I mean, that must have played, that must have played on your minds at some point. Didn't you ever think, why have we done this? Yeah, I think, um, I think so. But then actually, um, I think on the flip side, if we, if you, if you say we were, you know, if we're focused on something else, so whether that be pale ale or whatever, like there's, there's also a heap of competition in that. So I think, um, I think the hardest thing is actually sticking to your guns and actually, and actually sticking with it and trying to push through the noise, I think is the hardest thing. Um, because um, no matter where you, in, in, a, in a country with two and a half thousand breweries, no matter where you, no matter where you, what you're producing, like there's a lot of competition. So there's, there's heaps out there. Um, and I mean, even if you look at um, lager in Germany, there's lots of breweries all varying size. But if you look at um, some of those online, um, like there was an online beer shop used to get from time to time some beer from Bavaria. But like, you look at they have like maybe a hundred different breweries on there, and every single beer is the same price. <laughs> so, so you kind of think, so when time reaches infinity, all the beers the same price. The only difference is the brand in there, you know. And um, so, yeah, so it definitely is like it, I think it is it is risky. Um, at the same time, it's kind of satisfying. I don't know. I kind of, I kind of dig it. You know, I dig kind of doing something a bit different. I think, I think starting any business, Martin, is is tough, right? And um, yeah, food and drink, any sector. If you you want to make cheese or you know, some form of scotch eggs or whatever it might be, there's always going to be somebody out there in in macro supermarket world who's doing it on a big scale. Um, uh, but if you believe in yourself and you believe you can make a great product, so I think Reese's point was great. You know, it was all about just making great beer that people want to drink. If you do that, you just got to believe that you're going to be able to get people to buy it. Right? And um, I think that's that's kind of it is it is risky for sure. But I think you're kind of all the people you know just for this first conversation because you kind of have faith in yourselves that you you think you can kind of kind of get there and you believe and so look at the other way around you go actually i'm going to start a brewery anyway you believe we can make some great beer then this lager thing right there's millions of people drinking that there's loads of people so it's actually a massive market to go and get after rather than you know going for a, a really tiny piece of it so um you know you're kind of shooting fish in a barrel really <clears throat> you're trying to find lager drinkers just want a better one i think we definitely all shown that um lager is definitely not just one thing so obviously a lot of the general public, you know, at first will think that, you know, would immediately associate lager with just the fizzy yellow thing, uh, which it is a lot of the time, but there's lots of different fizzy yellow things as, uh, you know, uh, say Northern Hellas or uh, Keller Pills from Lost and Grounded or the 10 Degrees from Utopian. They're all fizzy yellow things, but they're all completely different. And despite the fact that they're very, they can be very recognizable and approachable by just someone who's never had such a beer before and who's just used to drinking, you know, whatever lager they prefer. Um, they, they are all distinctly different. They all come from a different place. And 
uh, and they're all different styles. So obviously we've all got that, you know, we've all got the, the ability to make, to make different styles for stuff that, you know, still looks like a lager, if you know what I mean? So there's a great variety that sometimes is not necessarily talked about or even thought about when, when talking about lager, you know, no one, no one in the right mind would think of, uh, you know, saying, talking about ale, just generally, you know what I mean? There's, there's so many different things and uh, it should be the same for lager. I think we're getting there. People are recognizing that there's a few different, there's a lot of different styles really. Um, but yeah, so we, that's why we can all do our own thing, I guess. I definitely agree with that. I mean, I, I, I think I might have been on one of your, one of your polls actually, which is, you know, you, you have to pick, Pilsner or Hellis, which one? Which one is it? And it's like, kind of, no, there are so yeah. many more styles than just those two things. And, yeah. and so sometimes, you know, the, the commentators on, you know, don't, don't help in terms of you know, only seeing lager in that way. And you know, it's a great quote from, um, well, I, I really like it anyway. So Mark Dredge quote on, a, on a, one of our social media posts when we had a beer out there. And it's kind of, um, I think he said, if you think lagers are just bland and fizzy, you've just been drinking the wrong lagers. Um, and uh, I think you know, as, as Mario says, yeah, there's the you know we've got lagers in this group of people that are black, uh, very pale, straw coloured. You've got beers from three and a half to seven, seven and a half, eight percent. You've got beers that are cloudy and crisp and bright, and uh, you know a huge variety um, within that within that segment. So there is an education piece, perhaps, that just needs to go on. Um, and, and yeah, this helps, right? It's getting more people to to give it a go and try something in the lager family and in the lager styles that that suits them. Yeah, and also I kind of think it is it is kind of like nice that the lager is almost like the cheapest thing on the bar because it is the most accessible. And like it's it's like as much as I'd want to make like a beer that is like incredibly complex and flavoursome. I want people to be able to like buy it as well. Like people like who are not necessarily that into beer and think, wow, this is so much better than the other stuff I was drinking. Uh, and by if, if we were to price at too high a premium for what it is actually worth, it would kind of not spread the word as well about our beers and how good they are to just like regular people who drink a lager who are not like beer podcast listeners. <laughs> um, I think. One thing is with, with lager, which is, I think, going back onto the, like, the competition thing is, I think, um, and all of us here are the same, like, we all have breweries of varying sizes, but we're all, in the scheme of things, we're not very big, you know? And I think the hard thing with lager is you still, um, generally speaking, I mean, we'll be selling at a premium to, say, mainstream beer, but we're probably under a lot more price pressure than, than our kind of other craft peers, because um, cause it's, Loggers where the volume is in, in the pub. So, um, you know, the, I don't know what the, what the ratio is, but it's probably about, you know, 80% of sales is probably lager or something like that in the pub. So if you're going to go into like, start talking about those lines, it's like that really impacts on the profitability of a, of a venue. So you end up in a situation where you, you need to be, have the right brand so people can sell at a slight premium, but it still has to be in with, within a certain range. This is me kind of like an economics head on. Because actually, a lot of people still will think like, "No, nah, we need to be able to sell that for five pounds a pint or five fifty or whatever, whatever the number is." You know, just pick a number. And um, whereas I think on, I think for a lot of small brewers, it's hard to do that. It's hard to produce a, a keg of beer and be able to do that. I think is um, 
quite difficult because it's it's like death by a thousand cuts because you have you know it's like what's your price of malt and what's your overheads and what's your this and what's your that and you have automation or not and all these sort of things that sort of feed into that that, that end price and whether or not you can make it make it kind of work in competition because um we're sort of like um to an extent we're all kind of price takers nowadays you know even um even if you look at the craft industry back say like even five years ago there was a lot more price setting but now there's a lot, of, a lot more price taking so like um like a keg of pale ale used to be um sell it for almost any price you know but it's not like that anymore and so it's definitely not like that for lager that that's for sure so which maybe maybe some of the other guys can sort of, sort of agree with but um yeah it's uh reese um just thinking about what you said as part of your intro about how you're loosely based your your styles and your recipes perhaps on a bit of German influence. Could you go into that a bit more? So what does inspire you to make the various different lager recipes that you do come up with? Well, it kind of happened a bit by accident when, when I first started making beer. I wanted to produce like unfiltered, like Hellas pretty much, like a delicious, like a Hellas from like the smaller kind of brew pubs around Munich and Bavaria that were making like relatively kind of hoppy, slightly hazy Hellas. That was like, for me, it was like the best part of like a pale ale and the lager combined it was just like ultimate session beer and i was like this is this is what i want to make and then i kind of thought about how much i was like if i was to make just a classic like hellas or pills in a beer and compare it to like augustina hellas it one wouldn't be as good would be more expensive and i'm like well why would people buy my beer when they can just buy like the real thing like <laughs> i know it's gonna be better so i started playing around with things to make the beer kind of more kind of a bit different, a bit kind of my style. And I ended up with having a beer that was like, all my beers are kind of relatively hoppy in the kettle in the whirlpool and have quite a noticeable like acid character, uh, quite a strong like tang to most of the beers. Uh, and that is kind of what I went, kind of went down and started exploring like that sort of flavor profile. And that's kind of where I've ended up where most of my beers are kind of, kind of bright and acidic and generously hopped as well. And that's everything from like the, the session pale garden beer all the way up to uh, like select pills, which is like a over 5% single hot pilsner. Everything's pretty hoppy, pretty bright and acidic and, and all unfiltered. And I don't like, I don't really strive for clarity. I just, just I kind of have the flavor in my head I want, kind of want to go for. But I, I mean, I kind of like making, I mean, we make everything unfiltered. And actually in my career up until now, like every, every beer I worked in, we always filtered beer. So, um, and I mean, Little Creatures was, was re-inoculated with um, lager yeast for the secondary conditioning. But um, in Camden, we filtered most of everything. And when we did the brewery here, we thought, actually, we'll, we'll do it unfiltered. And I think one benefit was you don't have to buy a filter. So there you go, you save, save yourself or whatever, whatever the number is but actually in fact the, the actual real kind of reason is um and you could say oh there's more character in the beer etc cetera, etc cetera, which um, there can be for sure um but i think it kind of just gives another element of personality to the beer because um i think like reese was saying like if you if you're gonna um it's like the world has enough cover bands you need to sing some originals you know and it's like um if you're, if we're going to try and compete, like, you know, like Reese said, like, why would you try and make Augustina when someone, when someone could buy Augustina for cheaper <laughs> and it might be better, you know? 
and um, and so and so I think it does like for us with, with doing the beer unfiltered, it, it's like another dimension of personality because sometimes it'll be very very bright, other times it'll be like a little bit more hazy, you know. And it, it does kind of vary, you know, even though um, most of the beer, you know, hitting the canning line or kegging line or bottling is all kind of looks about the same, you know, when they goes in, but um, it just all behaves differently. And then I think as we're making generally like we try to make our lager as pale as possible. And um, I think what we see as well is you just see just little nuances come through because we, we use a blend of um, Pilsner malts. And um, as the malt seasons start to change, you just start to see all the different nuances come through. And it's, uh, it's just kind of like, yeah, the beer just has a little bit of personality because otherwise it's, um, um, yeah, if it didn't have personality, then actually someone like reset can buy something else for a lot cheaper. You know, like you, there has to be some reason for someone to want to buy it. And if it's always the same, you never get that magic of when you get the perfect, the, the perfect pint. Like when you go to a pub and like they have it on top notch form, you're like, oh my God. Like where if it's always like six, seven out of 10, you're like, oh yeah, that's standard. But when you get that pint that is 10 out of 10, it's worth it. We, we kind of came at it, I guess, from a slightly different angle um, with the, we had this thing that, that there was a lot of people that were drinking trad lager, you know, macro lager that wanted to, wanted an independent alternative but the fact they're still drinking trad lager means they're not really in craft world if that makes sense they're kind of still drinking the macros because the step from san miguel to eight percent nupas is probably too big a jump um so so trying to get to those people so that's why we started off with our our premium british lager and it was filtered bright 4.7 you know looked like a macro lager in lots of ways um, but but was you know we were just trying to make it better, but accessible. So try to do it. You know the British ingredients helps you in terms of the cost point for that. And going back to Alex's point, you know we knew we were going to need to be um, fairly competitive to get into places. And then the kind of over time, we always sort of thought then we'd have other styles that we'd introduce to keep the brand fresh, to keep the interest in the beers. Um, uh, and I guess in, in, in the unfiltered version of that, of that beer, first up, came by accident. You know, we sold it to, we sold the filtered version to a kind of more crafty place, uh, Topshire Brewery in, in Exeter. And, and they said, could you do this unfiltered? And we went, yeah, because I guess we could. And we just kind of filled a few kegs from the tank and and the unfiltered was was born. And, you know, we sell a, we sell a lot of that beer in that format now. Um, but, but, that, but that premium British filtered lager, you know, we sell it into a lot of the local pubs. We've got a lot of local market for that. We've got some some further afield market for that now, and it's still our biggest biggest selling product by by margin. So it's quite interesting. <clears throat> um, and then, in, in some ways, the one good thing that's come for us out of lockdown was the the need to you know really move into the, the small pack form accelerated the pace of introducing those new styles. So and all all those beers that we we kind of brought out over the last last year i guess yeah and, and and none of and none of them taste like that fizzy yellow thing that that, that mario commented on that that you can get in in most pubs that you know 70 percent of the population drink um everything that that you folks produce is 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 flavorful it's it's different and and it and it falls into so many different style categories as as, as well that i think it's certainly it certainly opened my eyes to the world of lager and the the realms of possibility within it. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's definitely a thing. So if you're talking about our main 
influence, which would be Franconia, really. So the, the northern bit of Bavaria, uh, the, the one, one of the spiritual homes of, of beer, of lager, definitely, in the world. Uh, one of the places in the world with the highest concentration of, of breweries per capita. And um, I've been there, luckily, uh, quite a few times. By quite a few times, I mean quite a lot, really. Uh, I've probably been about 20 times. Uh, and uh, you can go in every different season and you can see that you can you can definitely see the difference. So uh, not just in the styles of beers that are made, but in the way beer is enjoyed and in the way uh, things are done. So in the summer, obviously, they'll have the kellers out. So the lighter beers will be will be served to like straighten the, the stone mugs. And then uh, uh, by the end of keller season, so September, October, um, everyone will start going back in. It's the, what what they call in Franconia the fifth season starts, so where all the uh, the guest houses reopens reopen and um, and the Bock beers start coming out. Um, that's another interesting time to go. And then for Lent, they've got the Doppel box, and you know, it's sort of basically the, the the different times of the years are sort of accompanied by different beers, and we are slowly trying to do a bit of that as well so we'll always have our some of our specials which will always come out at the same time of the year um we do a um a harvest party on on site of the brewery which is on a working farm so every at the end of harvest basically so every every september we do we do a little party um apart from last year of course uh, um, so we brew a we brew a fest beer for that so sort of like our version of an Oktoberfest medicine sort of thing. So it's slightly stronger beer that's meant to get you a bit drunk. And uh, we'll always do um, uh, a Maibok for May. So a strong pale bok, which we've released yeah, in May, I think beginning of May. And uh, we'll always do a smoked beer um, in the autumn. So we like to keep doing that just because it kind of keeps us uh, in touch with, with our, our main inspiration, which is, which is that, that those, those Franconian traditions, really. Within lager, there's, there's a huge amount of seasonality, especially if you're looking at it from a traditional point of view. How important to each of you is, is seasonality in, in, in your brewing? Um, so I think, I think the, probably the main beer for us would be every year, like we do a um, running with Spectre's Baltic Porter, which is a, a black lager, basically. Um, and that's uh, happened now for 16, 17, 18, 19, five years, actually. I think five times we've done that. Um, and maybe four times. I don't know. Four times, I think, we, we've done it. <laughs> and uh, so, that, so that's really um, kind of interesting. But I, I think um, we don't focus so much on it, although in saying that, I mean, we do it always tends to be a bit of a fest beer that comes out at some point in time. Um, uh, we don't, we don't tend to call it like an October festival. We'll just call it a fest beer. And I mean, we, we did that once with um, Tanzoku and um, Braybrook. We did the mega lager collab a few years ago. And, um, and then but I think that, I think the interesting thing is when you start doing the other styles, like whether it be a Vienna style lager or a fest beer or a Meritzen or whatever, you start to actually learn a lot more about making lager because, um, like the styles, depending on the depending on the malt, the malt um, backbone, and so the the grist and, and everything, you start learning how like hops interact a lot more with with the sort of malt and all this because some of the styles don't like very much bitterness. So sometimes 
and it's kind of hard getting it right without you know not having them too sweet and then not having them too bitter. It's almost like a fine line. And um, I think that's been I think that's the most interesting thing for me making all the all the different styles of lager is actually kind of makes you learn a lot um, as a brewer, which I, which I can sort of enjoy, you know. But but I mean, right now we're making like um, you know we're making like probably seventy percent Keller Pills and. 40, you know, 30%, 30% Hellas. So that's a hundred percent. So we're basically making nothing else at the moment besides those. Um, but, uh, well, that's not quite true. We, we, we got a couple of the tanks with other things, but um, yeah, we're kind of a brewery that's running down to about four products now. You know, uh, we're just but probably increasingly, the, for the fir- at least for the first two years, it was just, let's make as much Hellas as we can and flog that. And that, that was a, that was that was a, a fun time, and then since branching out into other styles of beer, definitely trying to bring a more kind of seasonality. And like we have a fest beer that is we kind of launched last year, which is going to come back every year. Um, in our non-lager beers, there's especially a bit more seasonality. Like when we do some mixed firm things, like it's all UK fruit, and that is when it corresponds to each harvest time of, of that certain fruit. Uh, but in terms of lager, so we're definitely going to get into like we uh, launched garden beer. Uh, last year, the start of lockdown, which is a beer that's designed to like, it's a session lager within the shops that is designed to like, to drink in your garden. So just because we've been moving breweries, we've not brewed that yet, but that's usually like end of end of spring to the start of autumn. But that's kind of the period for that beer. And then moving it like fest beer. Um, yeah, and, and the kind of, we did, we brewed a Doppelbock for Lent the last two years. We didn't do it this year just because of tank space but yeah it, i think it is important to kind of to brew those different beers for different times of year but equally sometimes i do enjoy like a really like dark doppelbock on a nice warm summer's night so it kind of depends on a on kind of what you want to make as well i guess but yeah something we hope to do increasingly a bit more uh, rather than just making Northern Hellas all the time. Uh, yeah, I think Lager's great to showcase more. It's, all right. it, it, it's almost like the great balance against the, the super hoppy beers. You know, people would probably know now that you know we use a lot of decoction mashing in, in our beers now, and it actually it's a lot of the same kind of end result it's, it's in place of speciality malts, but you get that kind of dark colour, you get all those wonderful kind of caramel toasty kind of flavors coming through um which people probably again don't naturally associate with with lagers having you know full of flavor without needing to to get that all from from hops which um, i think is is great as well you know our churnay the black lager is a similar kind of beer really it kind of does the same thing i think in terms of pulling those things through well that the I was going to say about the Chernay was just an amazing beer, um, but it was going to lead me on to asking about to make that kind of beer versus maybe say your very popular British lager. Does that make sourcing the ingredients any tougher for you, Rich? Um, no, not really. Um, yeah, really. The culture mash, I don't want to overstep stress it really, but but you don't need a huge amount of speciality more in, in some of those beers. A large part of, of that Cherno Lager is you know, still our, our standard base malt. <coughs> um, 
Uh, it's it's kind of lots of <coughs> use lots of Munich and Vienna malts that are all malted in the UK. Um, you know, they're pretty easy to get hold of. Um, and, and in all those beers too, we're using you know pretty traditional English hops. So you know, the Cherno is is Fuggles. It's a hundred percent Fuggles. Um, which you know, a lot, again, a lot of people wouldn't necessarily associate as a as a hop that we use um, in lager. But I think at its point, it's great. You always try to get this balance with you know, and get a really nice balanced beer. So you're just looking for the right amount of bitterness, and you don't want something that's going to overpower it in terms of of, of flavors. I think with roasty beers, especially like lager, is actually really good for that. I don't. It seems to be a good combination because you get sort of a really clean base. And then it um, can be a good way to like showcase the malt, you know. So, um, I mean, in that beer, we use a lot of um, like debittered rice malt as well as, uh, I'm just trying to think in my mind, yeah. as well as a heap of special bee and a dark crystal malt and different things. So there's a lot of specialty malt in it, but the whole thing comes across just like it's really kind of clean and neat, you yeah. know, even though you have all that sort of um, big malt character in there. It's, it's actually yeah. really kind of smooth, and, smooth and balanced. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, and although the, the, the basic process is the same, right? You, it, with the lager, with an hour or RPA, you know, it's, it's a mash in a kettle. By the time it gets to the end of the kettle, a lot of that process is, is similar. A lot of the ingredients that have gone in probably could be quite quite similar. And most of the change and the difference happens when you are in fermentation with the yeast. But 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 there's a lot of other nuances that... that go on in that early stages of lager to effectively to pre- I guess to prepare that work for, for that later fermentation phase um, and, and I think uh, it's interesting at the beginning you know in your early day, lots of trial and error trying to create a great lager in, in previous roles and you realise that you kind of need to focus on it um, and, and really kind of tune and hone those techniques around brewing lager I feel like brewing is actually like uh it's almost like 20% ingredient, 80% technique, you know? So it's kind of like if you, if you had a bunch of chefs in a room and you said, there's your steak and there's your, there's your salt and there's your pepper and there's, um, there's the frying pan, like, you know, they'd probably all, all come out slightly differently, you know? And, um, yeah, so it's all, it's all about technique. Everyone's starting with the same stuff. Stick, sticking with um, this sort of question about the ingredients, it sort of made me think, one of the things I've often heard about lager is that you can't hide. So if if something goes wrong, uh, we've heard uh, people have still worked with other beers when things haven't gone quite to plan. But the what I've heard is that you can't hide something bad in a lager. Would you Would you guys agree with that? And does it make your life more t- tougher? Yeah, I think that I think the hardest. Um, I think that yeah, because exactly that. I think that I think the hardest issue is. Um, in, in smaller breweries that aren't focusing on it, it's like when you're kind of making it start stop, it's very hard to get it consistent. And and most of the issues, most of the quality issues, like if you have decent boiling and all the rest of it, most of the quality issues is all about the yeast management and how happy you can keep the yeast. And the yeast kind of likes to work and it likes to like be in a bit of a routine. And and we find it all the time when we go into like the, like the slow period, say around January, when suddenly all the brewing slows down and it takes a lot of work to like just keep the beer tasting consistent because the yeast struggles. So we'll often get kind of contacted by uh, brewers when they talk about lager and stuff. But 
it's probably that's the, that, that would be the key thing I would say to everyone is actually you got to just be doing it all the time, whether that's one batch a week or 10 batches a week or 100 batches a week or whatever, but you just need to be doing it pretty consistently. Yeah, and that also helps with, uh, with uh, just honing it down, really. I mean, it's just that I found in my personal journey that the learning curve making lager has been quite steep just because this it's just a different approach in so many in so many ways there's a different approach to be using a different ingredients to mashing to fermentation definitely fermentation i'll say it's definitely at least 50 percent of, of it if not more but um yeah it's just about learning how to how to get it right really and uh, adjusting your your mindset to doing that specific thing which is not necessarily the same thing as you know making a great ipa or making a great bitter or whatever it's just it's it's different so so yeah it definitely helps for us i would say for all of us that we we do do it all the time <laughs> that's that's definitely a great advantage i agree with alex on that. where we are now in, in in terms of beer what do you think the current public perception of, of lager is in the UK. And, and Alex, I'm, I'm going to come to you first on, 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 on this one. General public lo- love it. They love it. That's what everyone drinks, you know? And I think, um, I think the reason why is like, cause there isn't those bold flavors and actually what it is, is people most of the time just want to drink something, have fun with their friends, you know? And we kind of often say this, like as much as we like to kind of focus on, you know, on our Belgian styles or, you know, our Keller pills or da, 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 da it's like actually most people just want to pick up beer and drink it and not really think about it too much. And I think, um, I think that's the, that's the general population. I think in the, in the craft beer circles, which is much smaller proportion of the drinking population. Um, I think there's probably an underappreciation of lager, but it's actually, it's definitely starting to change. I'm definitely seeing that, um, just in the last, last few years as well. There's definitely a lot of people that are starting to take more, you know, appreciate more, um, decent lager whereas you know it used to be in the days like you know if you, t- if you think about the the rating websites and stuff it's like i don't like lager one star it's like well why the hell did you buy it <laughs> so, so but, you know i would say i would say if i was gonna look at that our lowest rated beer that we'd make is actually keller pills but actually it's this beer we sell like by far the most of so go figure our highest rated beers will be we could never sell <laughs> so it stuck around for ages I I would like to just come in on the public perception thing because obviously especially when I go out with non-beery friends and by that I mean people who aren't so immersed in the scene whenever I order a lager they're always surprised so when I say I'm ordering a lager like like recently I I was in Leeds and I went to North Bar and they've got a really nice Pilsner and everyone's expecting me to have gone for an IPA or a pale ale because they just assume I've discounted all forms of lager because as far as they're aware, I probably wouldn't be the sort of person buying the aforementioned macro, yellow, fizzy, cold drink. So I think there is still, I mean, I think there's still work to be done on the lager front where people still have lager is there is only one type of lager. And I don't, I don't think we'll ever change that, Martin. You know, I think that, yeah, the, <coughs> we, we're tiny, really, in the overall hemisphere of beer drinkers in the UK. You know, we're kind of like this much. Um, but but that, that shouldn't stop you trying to, you know, 
just mess that mark up a bit for the big guys and and, and try and come out with things that are better and and, and give give people better choice um, yeah and maybe as well tapping a bit to um, yeah ho- hopefully which which will maintain post lockdown that 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 people did care a bit and do hopefully do care a bit more about the provenance of what they're buying and where the ingredients come from and how that's made and the production techniques and and supporting local. Um, and, and if all those things persist a bit after lockdown, then you know more people will will move migrate from that that macro world into uh, into beers that are that are similar enough, if you like, for them to take that first step. And then hopefully that's part of the journey that you know everyone here started on in terms of craft beer a journey that people have gone on in that. And hopefully people could follow a similar journey in London. And sort of thinking about that then, so, you know, about we're talking about the perception and getting people to drink more of it. And I'll, I'll come to you first, Mario. Where do you see lager production going in the next few years, for example? Well, um, I would, it's, it's good to see there's a lot more people making lager, definitely. So people have sort of caught on to the fact that, you know, you can make a good quality product and sell it to, you know, maybe also a more craft beer sort of audience of making lager. And uh, the, the the truth of the matter is, as Alex said before, I mean, lagers is essentially a numbers game at the end of at the end of the day. So uh, we've all got to get to you know a decent size, I suppose, and make enough beer to to sustain ourselves. Because unfortunately, we're never going to get to the point where you know, a keg of pills sells for the same price as, uh, you know, a New England IPA. So um, hopefully we'll get to the point where we've got a few, at least a few established breweries uh, like like us here, I hope, um, that keep making a lot of really good lager. Uh, we've got to get to the point we can't just, you know, we can't all be making different beers all the time and uh stay tiny we've got to establish ourselves and uh, and just keep going really that's uh that's 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 the main thing you just gotta keep going <laughs> i said like like people often say, like lager is like a step in the journey of drinking beer but like my favorite like working in a pub in newcastle the free trade which i did for the first year and a half of running the brewery like my favorite customers were just like just our gadgets who'd just come in the pub on a Sunday and be like, uh, what lager you got on? And like, I've got this one. It's like a local brewery. And they'd be like, oh, I'll have one of them. And then like four hours later, they're still drinking that beer. Like, and then they'll come in the next week in the laundry by name. They're like, they're my, they're most my favorite customers because they have no idea what craft beer. They just really like that beer. And like, I don't think it necessarily needs to be like a step in people's tasting journey. Sometimes if you like lager, this one's a bit, bit better it's clearly worth the money if they keep buying it. And that's, that's really where the volume is in, in drinking in, in, in beer in the UK is those like people who are not really bothered about lager, but when they have a slightly better one, you can taste the difference. Like I'm not really a big coffee guy, but if you go to a nice coffee place, you get a really good coffee. You're like, wow, not like that Greg's being a cup machine. It's not the best. Um, and it, like, if you be as good enough, it demonstrates it. And then those people will drink the volume of that of that product and i think that's that's the key is just to get in those people to drink the beer 
and then they'll keep drinking it because it's really good. Reese, do you think that sometimes lager, particularly within the craft bubble, or particularly with drinkers that, that, that look for craft beer, suffers from that constant pursuit of the new and something different? beer after beer whereas like like you say some people will be very happy to go into a pub and find a beer that they really enjoy and sink pint after pint of it but there there's a there's a not a majority there's there's a minority of people within the the, the craft drinking world that are constantly looking for something new as their next beer something they've never had I think the people who are in search of new are never going to be the volume customers that are going to drive any sales it's just going to be like a bit of exposure, cool. But really, the, the people who are, are drinking the volume are the ones who do not care. Mm-hmm. They just like it because it tastes nice. Uh, and that is, that is great, like unreal, because there's no pre- preconceptions. There's no like, they're not trying to compare it to other things. They just like it because it's good. And that's, that's what I like is, is people who will drink the beer on its merits and not just because it's something new, which is a, a perfectly valid reason to drink a beer. But end of the day, the people who are going to drive your brand and, and drink, drink all, all the beer you're going to make, are just cool regular people. It's, we all make beers that are made to be drunk, really, which is an advantage in a way. Which is why we can we can be the the, the, the volume line in, in a pub. And uh, you know, most of the time when you when you're talking to you know, craftier people, I suppose, like like we do most of the time, it's sort of easy to forget that 75, 80% of all the beer drunk in this country is lager of varying quality. And if we can get a portion of that to be lager of better quality, then that's, uh, then that's great. The, 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 the you know, four of us subjects haven't really spoken much before... Yeah, together before this, and I, I found it really, you know, kind of fascinating and encouraging, really, that we all see this in, in a very similar way that, that we're in the lager world, and it is all about there is a lot of it about volume, and it's all about getting the drinkers. As that's all, you know, Reese's point there is great. It's just the drinkers that come into a pub and just want a better beer, right? Just want to drink it, they're going to drink the same beer all the time, and that, that doesn't make you, you know, that's not a bad thing, that's a good thing. So I think in that fu- what happens in the future is a lot it just sort of out of our hands really in terms of what happens in the pub market, what happens in you know, legislation and what happens in, you know, Sigal were talking about at the AGM about, you know, trying to get a, another kind of competition authority review of, of big beer and, you know, trying to make maybe make some of the, the market space a bit more accessible. Um, you know, hopefully there's some things that will happen in, in that side that, that will you know make some of that uh, that on trade market more accessible to, to people of our size um so that we can introduce those beers to to more of those people that you know Reese's favorite customers in his in his, in his bar and, and as we've just moved out of what has undoubtedly been the probably toughest 18 months that any of us have ever lived through in terms of both our personal and our business lives Firstly, it's great to see that all four of you are, are still here and you're still going strong and, and you're producing fantastic beers as well and, and, and that you've, to a certain extent, ridden the wave 
nobody knows what's to come in in in, in the future. But hopefully, you'll still be there producing great lagers for for everybody moving forward. What's um what's next for, for for each of you? What 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 are your plans from from this point onwards? Um, I mean, we're we're running completely flat out now, so we're um we're sort of running full two shifts, kind of um, I think right now averaging about fourteen brews a week, and uh, and yeah, just just flat out mainly mainly it's like the almost the entire cell is full of Keller pills and Hellas, so there's a lot of demand out there. Um, so yeah, so we're just doing that. We're just it's the hardest bit to be coming about hiring hiring people quick enough because there's um, appears to be not that many people out there at the moment. Like like there's a lot of people. No, I think we were speaking about hospitality earlier. Like it's very very much a shortage out there. Um, but we're really I think that the best thing about we're going to take a positive out of the last year. I think it, for us it was actually made us stop and like refocus on what we do, which was um, the original ambitions of the brewery, which is okay we. We make Keller pills. We make all these other other delicious things, um, and we stuck to our guns. Kept on making all that stuff because um, you know, people when we first opened, they were like, "Oh, you're crazy!" Like, um, I mean, we have a pale ale we make now, but we never had a pale ale. And uh, we we're just like, "Yeah, we pretty much picked every single style of beer that's going to be really, really hard to sell on a small scale." And decided to do that as, a, as like our mission. And um, but yeah, now we just stuck to our guns, and actually, people are sort of finally getting it, and um, it just feels really good to. To see that we're where we're getting to now so we're, we just kind of i guess we are just just going with it and see what happened you know we, we're not trying to take over the world or anything but i think um our, our original aim was to make a really nice regional business you know and we're sort of getting there now which is uh, feels good we just got to keep keep focused and um not lose the plot that's the hardest thing don't lose the plot you were also running at capacity right now um, a bit over capacity, some would say. <laughs> we uh, were flat out, and uh, yeah, the next step is uh, to expand a little bit by by early next year. Um, uh, we're gonna we're gonna open a little tap room on site, which has been an ambition for for a long while. It's just uh, obviously uh, there's been. Uh, uh, many different reasons why we haven't done it yet but it will happen in the next hopefully in the next couple of months and um and then again just keep going it's the same for us we've got just keller lager in all ta- in all the tanks right now just keller lager and hellas and just keep making a lot of uh, a lot of that which was again the original intent of breweries just to make keller lager we just added other things um just because yeah, that's just what you do. But the the original beer that started this brewery was uh, was was Keller. So um, we're glad that we can make a lot of it and just you know keep getting it better and better. So that's our plan. Just keep making a lot of that for the foreseeable future. Uh, at Donzoka, we've just moved from Hartlepool in northeast England to Edinburgh in Scotland. So it's that move still ongoing. We put in another hundred heck of fermentation space and got a new warehouse and it has been flat out and we've just, I started brewing last week just filling everything full of Hellas Northern Hellas and big form trying to get those permanent lines the people who rely on the beer like nice and wet for uh, things up, beginning to open back up again uh, it's been a lot of work it's still like a one person thing so it's still a lot of work but uh, it's yeah, it's fun. We've got a, a, a new space for mixed fermentation beers 
and barrel aged beers. Uh, and we've got a bit of scope to expand as well. Uh, yeah, it's going to be great. Maybe looking at some pubs as well. You know, some little bars uh, in city centres serving our beer nice and fresh. And yeah, just, just kind of brewing more Hellas and finally being able to say, yes, we can sell you some Hellas instead of, no, sorry, I'll go to like these three pubs, which is uh, annoying. <laughs> There's a common theme here, which is, which is always good, I think. Um, yeah, we're the same, right? We're, we're, we're fun out the... I think the resourcing point is uh, is uh, a big issue. I think um, you know we're struggling to get uh, to get people in, um, so that's a, a longer term issue. I think that's for the industry. Uh, but yeah, same. Um, which is great. Yeah, we we set out to brew. I think I think the mission said a, a range of accessible, easy to drink quality lagers, and that's just what we want to keep, keep doing. We will. We will keep throwing the odd specials in there so we can have those Zoom launches keep going on, boys. So we'll still keep doing the odd one of those. That's a bit of fun. Uh, and, and yeah, I think <clears throat> more of the same, really. I was just going to say, I always loved um, like Truma Brewery in Austria. And like at one point, and, and it's still there actually, they have like a related brewery in, and there's a Truma Brewery in Berkeley. And I remember going there like, um, I don't know, 10, uh, it might have been 15 years ago or something. And um, it's like the perfect brewery for me. Like the brewery, and they make two skews. They make Truma Pills bottles, Truma Pills draft. <laughs> that's, that's all they make. It's like, I'll tell you what, it is, it is fucking brilliant for planning <laughs> and purchasing. It's like, the, it's like the perfect scenario. Like, you know, it's so efficient, so efficient, you know. So, so, I've been to a couple of places up in Franconia where it's the same, where they've got. Uh, a Keller or Blago, whatever. And then you go in the bar and they've got Keller and then they've got pills. And then you go and speak to the brewer and they tell you that the pill the pills is just a Keller but filtered. <laughs> and you can get you, you can get away with so much with lager then, can't you? Just with those different names. It happens all the time. <laughs> Great. You've just shared all the secrets there, Mario. That's it. The cat is out of the bag. I'm glad you didn't open with that. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> just look at us a different color label can work yeah. wonders <laughs> well well listen uh folks it's it, it's been great chatting to you and it's it's really fantastic to hear that you are all doing so well and that you've got all of your tanks are full of lovely delicious lager ready to serve the the, the uk public in what's surely going to be i think we hear this every year doesn't don't we it's going to be the summer of lager this this year but any hot summer and, and everybody's already reaching for the lager. Um, but it's great to hear you, you've got so much going on. Thank you so much uh, for joining us for this, this round table discussion. I hope our listeners have enjoyed it. Let us know, use the hashtag opinions. Um, and just really just to say thank you all one last time for, for, for joining us this evening and just to say cheers to you all and long may your successes continue. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. It's been loads of fun. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. 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 Cheers.